Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We have life backwards. We have motivation and love and happiness backwards. The secret to life is being able to stand where you are and still see somebody who is worthy of love and support and celebration simply because you're still breathing, simply because you have dragged yourself out of bed and despite all the shit that you've survived and all the stuff that you've done, that you can stand here and forgive yourself and see a human being who's trying and who is worthy and deserving and who needs your support and needs your encouragement. Welcome to the new season of the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the author and founder of the award-winning app and best-selling book, Happy Not Perfect. This is our time to take a break and go within to unlock ourselves in a new way and stretch our thinking. Whatever you are going through right now, I welcome you into this conversation with a new inspiring thought leader each week to help us thrive, rise, and realize our full truth and unlimited potential. As you might know if you read my book, I'm passionate about us becoming flexible in our thinking, and that starts with some mind, body, and soul healing. So let's dive in. It is a total honor to have one of the most successful motivational speakers of all time on today's podcast. Mel Robbins has been a go-to for me in some of my lowest moments as well as my highest. Mel coaches more than 60 million people online every month and her videos have had over a billion views. Her groundbreaking work on behavior change has been translated into 36 languages. I mean, wow, and more wow, and more wow. Today, we are going to be discussing her newest book, The High Five Habit. I have literally highlighted the entire book, as you may have seen on social media. The book is packed full of quotes that give you that aha feeling. It is full of research-backed tools for you to change your mind, change your life, and live your highest, most empowered, full of love existence. Mel shows it's possible in the most relatable and easiest way. It's an honor to have such a world leader on today's podcast. Before we begin, I do want to share a trigger warning that sensitive topics are discussed in this episode, like sexual assault at the beginning. What is a favorite quote you return to often and why? And it can be one of your own. If you can't explain it simply, you probably don't understand it. I don't think that's the exact quote from Einstein, but there is a quote from Einstein that basically says, if you can't explain it simply, it means you don't understand it. And I love that quote because we have a tendency to overcomplicate everything. Mm. And I find that it is always the simplest tools and the simplest advice and the simplest wisdom 
that solves the biggest challenges and creates the biggest opportunities in your life. Really powerful. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently and why? That this moment is preparing you for something amazing that hasn't happened yet. And I'm going to say that, and we're probably going to talk about this theme quite a bit because that mindset, this moment is preparing you for something amazing that hasn't happened yet. It's grounded in optimism. It's grounded in faith. And it's grounded in this belief that your life is designed to draw you toward what's meant for you. And you and I can sit in this moment and we can easily look back on our lives, right? And we can see how the past and all the things that have happened to us are dots on a map that lead to this exact moment in time. Looking backwards, it all makes sense. Mm. You can see the lessons you can you learned. You can see how the most painful moments of your life prepared you in some way for what's happening right now. And I think there is true power and true sense of control and mastery and sort of a freedom when you are able to cultivate a mindset that this moment, no matter how challenging, exhilarating, frustrating, sad, heartbreaking it is, this moment too is also a dot on the map of your life. And it is connecting you forward to something extraordinary that hasn't happened yet. And when you can wake up every day and you can ground yourself in that kind of faith and that kind of optimism, that even though this moment may suck, even though you don't deserve this heartbreak or this trauma or this pain, even though this moment is really challenging, when you can anchor down and say, this moment is preparing me for something amazing. It's a dot on the map. It will forever help you navigate the up and downs of your life by staying grounded in optimism in faith and courage. And that has been one of the greatest lessons of my life for sure. God, I want that lesson in the form of an alarm clock to wake me up. <laughs> Mel, Mel's alarm clock. I feel like that should be the next product because it is such a powerful reminder and it's so easy to forget it. And hence why the high five habit is so brilliant, really resonated. How do you define happiness? Being able to stand in front of the mirror, see the person reflected back and be excited knowing that you get to spend the rest of your life with that one person. Wow. The ultimate self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. Exactly who you are, exactly who you're not everything that's happened to you, everything that you've done, that you can still look in the mirror and see somebody who is worthy of love, see somebody who's worthy of forgiveness, see somebody who is worthy of support and celebration. When you can live every day and start every day like that, to me, that is the true definition of happiness. Because you, know, you, you can only, like there's a level of profound acceptance around what is and what isn't. And you cannot experience happiness when you're resisting something, when you're judging something, when you're criticizing something, and when you're not in the moment. So true. And that leads me perfectly into a habit that can bring you to that place that in a way for many, and I definitely know I've had times and still have regular times where you're like, oh God, like self-acceptance feels so far away, but you have turned it into something that really isn't that far away through this incredible habit of the high five habit. So 
let's start there. Okay. How did you discover the high five habit? Because mornings weren't always amazing for you, are they? Oh my God, no. Actually, (laughs) I've struggled with mornings forever. And I'm going to tell a quick story that will, by the end of our conversation, circle back to one of the tools that you're going to learn in this book that will profoundly change your life using science. But mornings have always been a challenge for me. And so I have finally realized I'm 53 years old and I've finally realized why it is that I wake up or have woken up every morning since I was eight years old with the intense feeling that something's wrong or someone's mad at me. And what happened to me is something that has happened to so many people. And that is that when I was in uh, the fourth grade, I woke up, I was at a big uh, family kind of ski trip and there were a bunch of families together and all the kids were in this big bunk room. And I woke up in the middle of the night and one of the older kids was on top of me between my legs. And I was startled. Like I had a trauma anxiety response in my nervous system, of course, because I didn't know what the hell was going on. And the interesting thing about my experience of being molested by this older kid is that you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, this was not as traumatic as what a lot of people experience. This was not a, a sustained experience. This was not somebody I really knew. This was not an experience where I felt unsafe for the rest of my life. This was a one-time experience that probably was more confusing than it was scary. And then the next morning I woke up and of course my nervous system was on edge. My nervous system knew that something bad had happened. My nervous system was on fire. And so I woke up and I went downstairs and my mom was cooking breakfast with all the other moms. And she turned around and saw me and said, hi, honey, how'd you sleep? And I immediately wanted to tell her the truth. Immediately. And then I saw the kid out of the corner of my eye. Now I knew if I told my mom the truth, my mother grew up on a cattle farm. She would have taken that spatula and hit that kid into next week. I mean, there was no doubt that she would have believed me, that she would have done something like she is like my protector, but I had no idea what that guy was gonna do. And so I froze and I lied and I said, fine. And that one singular moment created a trauma response in my nervous system that any time I feel like I don't know how somebody's going to act or what they're going to say that I would freeze. And then I would go into a mode of trying to figure out what I needed to say. That's where my people pleasing came from. And so what's interesting is, you know, I always wondered why do I wake up every morning? And the first thought in my mind is something's wrong. Mm. Why do I wake up and think someone's mad at me? Like there's a story I didn't write about it in the book. It didn't, we had to, uh, you know, I love telling stories. Like I, I, I've been married for 25 years. My husband is a saint. His name is Christopher Robbins, which gives you an idea, you know, Winnie the Pooh's owner of the kind of dude he is. <laughs> and um, I remember waking up one morning as I was writing this book and I had a sinus headache and Chris was getting up to walk the dog. And he said, are you coming? And I said, no, I, I've got such a bad headache. And he said, well, let me give you some Advil. So I rolled over, I went back to sleep. I woke up two hours later. My immediate thought wasn't, oh, so happy I slept in. I needed that. My immediate thought was, I've done something wrong. Mm. 
I saw the Advil next to the table and I thought Chris is mad at me. He's now had to walk the dog on his own. I've been gone for two hours. I'm sure he's pissed off because it, like this whole narrative starts spinning. This is the default programming in my mind. I have lived with this garbage my entire life. And so waking up has always been hard for me. Getting out of bed has always been hard for me. And um, my origin story in personal development, I'll just tell it very briefly, was 13 years ago, I was 41 years old, and my husband had gone into the restaurant business. And like morons, we had cashed out our entire life savings and shoved everything into the business. And in 2008, the recession hit the United States and the business started to fail. And we found ourselves 800 grand in debt. Mm -hmm. I lost my job that year. We had three kids under the age of 10. And I am here to tell you, I am so passionate about the stuff that we're about to talk about and we're about to teach you because I have lived this fucking nightmare. That was a hard moment to get out of bed because what would happen? And if you're, if this resonates with you, you got to stop this in its tracks. I would literally wake up every morning and the first response is, something's wrong because of my past. The second response is I can't get out of this mess. Mm -hmm. And I would lay in bed and I would stare at the ceiling and I would think about all my problems. Mm -hmm. And I would hit that snooze button three or four or five times a morning. And I became a person I didn't recognize. So it was during that moment 13 years ago that by dumb luck, I invented this little trick. It began by thinking, Maybe if I launched myself out of bed and I moved fast enough, maybe I wouldn't be in that bed when that anxiety hit. And so I started launching myself out of bed like a rocket ship. I would count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, because that's how they launch a rocket ship into space. And little did I know there was profound science behind this thing. I call it the five second rule. You have to count backwards, five, four, three, two, one. You have to move within five seconds of feeling anxious, with feeling doubt, with procrastinating, imposter syndrome, fear, overthinking, whatever it is that's stopping you. Five, four, three, two, one interrupts that bullshit and it awakens your prefrontal cortex. And that's the part of the brain that gives you immediate control over what you think and do next. It's your fucking life. You have got to decide that you deserve better, even if you don't feel like it. And so you can use the five second rule, five, four, three, two, one. It's free, it's backed by science and it's a tool you can use to push yourself through the fear and the self-doubt that stops you and start taking control one decision at a time. So I use this thing five, four, three, two, one to get out of bed. Then I use it five, four, three, two, one to take a breath and not yell at my husband. Five, four, three, two, one, start walking again. Five, four, three, two, one, stop at one bourbon Manhattan instead of having four. And slowly but surely, my whole life changed because I had a tool to interrupt the self-sabotaging patterns and to push myself to change. The five second rule was when I first used it, it is again, to your point and your first quote that you delivered, like simplicity is best. And our emotional brains are on overdrive. And the five second rule was the most effective thing that it's so easy to remember. It's also so easy to teach. So the five second rule has been an amazing gift to be able to like give onto other people. Now, coming on to the high five habit, this was like the next level for me because I have enjoyed watching your social media now over the last like six months, especially, and seeing all of these high fives in the mirror. And then reading your book, 
looking actually into the research behind what that high five, which we've all done since we were about five years old, but you've turned it into something that we can do for ourselves. So I am just so excited and I'm going to shut up because I'm so excited. My <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's great. And what I, I love what you said about the fact that yes, the, the five second rule is extraordinarily effective and using the five second rule, I have fundamentally changed my life. But here's what the five second rule didn't address. It did not fundamentally change my opinion of myself at my mm. core. It did not erase the years of self-loathing that I have accumulated by beating the shit out of myself and criticizing myself. You know, I find it so fascinating that so many people don't read their comments online or are bothered by trolls. When I see what strangers say about me or to me online, I'm literally like, oh, that's nothing. You should hear the shit I say to myself. Like, you want to <laughs> really take me down? Let's just put a speaker on my own head, okay? Like, that's nothing what you want to say. So it did not address the relationship I have with myself. And so the high five habit, you better pay attention because I know that you know that we need to love ourselves. We need to put ourselves first. We need to have boundaries. We need to become self-aware. We need to accept ourselves. But the fact is, how? How the fuck do you do it? How do you do it when you have a lifetime of evidence that shows you that you're not where you're supposed to be? A lifetime of evidence that says, well, I've been abused and traumatized, so I must be damaged. Or a lifetime of evidence that says, well, I did really shitty things when I was trying to survive. So that makes me a terrible person. How do you change that opinion that you have of yourself and and you're a human being so i know something i know that you are your worst enemy you are your biggest critic you are relentless in terms of focusing on the negative you are constantly beating yourself down and holding yourself back and arguing against your dreams and if i were listening and i heard what uh i'm about to say i would think that this high five habit is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And so I'm going to tell you right now, don't you fucking dare tune out just because you're going to react to this and think this is so cheesy because I'm going to tell you it is cheesy when you first hear it. So the high five habit is like the five second rule, something that is so simple with tremendous science that is free, that once you know it, you can teach it to anybody. And it is the most powerful thing I've ever discovered in my entire life. And here's how I discovered it. During the pandemic, and the book is not a pandemic book at all. It's a book about the habits of support, of encouragement, of self-love. It's about learning how to cheer yourself forward. It's about putting yourself first and simple ways you can do it to make it part of your life and who you are. So I wake up this morning, we're in quarantine. I have to use 54321 to get up. I then make my bed. I then drag myself to the bathroom and I'm standing there in the bathroom and I'm in my underwear and I'm brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden I catch a look of my reflection and I think, you look like hell. <laughs> and I honestly felt sorry for the woman I saw in the mirror. And I could feel myself literally succumbing to the overwhelm and the stress and you know, what's interesting is if you had walked into my bathroom that morning, I could have turned on a dime and I could have said, oh my gosh, if anybody can handle it, you can, mm -hmm. you got this, come on. 
pick your chin up, put your shoulders back. Remember who you are. I could have lifted you up. But in that moment when I needed somebody to say something, I couldn't think of a single word to say to myself because I frankly didn't believe the pep talk. I didn't believe I could face it. And for whatever reason, as cheesy as it sounds, standing there without a brawn or a cup of coffee, I literally raised my hand and high-fived that tired, overwhelmed woman I saw in the mirror. And I'll tell you something. Even that first moment, as weird as it felt to do it, something flipped. Like I felt like my shoulders dropped. I laughed at how dumb it was that I had just high-fived myself. But I felt this internal force in me go, okay, this sucks, but you can handle this. Go get them. And I walked out of the bathroom. Now, the second morning is when things got really, like something really interesting clicked. So I wake up, five, four, three, two, one. I get out of bed. I make my bed. I start walking toward the bathroom. And then I noticed a feeling that I have never felt in my entire life. And that is this. You know how when you go meet a friend for a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and you're super excited to see them and you're about to walk into that cafe, how do you feel when you know you're going to see somebody you like? You're so excited. You're like a pep in your step. Yes, exactly. Pep in your step, exactly. <laughs> As I was reaching the bathroom, I actually felt that about seeing myself. Now, I think for the last 45 years, I have either criticized myself or I have ignored myself. I have looked forward to seeing an outfit I'm wearing or a new eyeshadow that I was trying, but I had never experienced the feeling of looking forward to seeing me. And as I stepped in front of the mirror and I took a moment with myself, that's when this high five habit became a little bit deeper. I realized I've never really cultivated the ability to just be with myself. And it's a weird experience because you've ignored or criticized yourself for so long, you're disassociated. You're not connected to mm -hmm. the human being inside you. And so if you stand in front of the mirror and you look at yourself in the eyes, you will see somebody who is desperate for your attention. You will see the one person that you will spend your entire life with. And you will see somebody who needs you. And what's interesting is I thought in that moment, how do I want to show up today to support that woman that I see right there? And what game do I want to play and focus on that really matters to her and that matters to me? And as I sat there and set my intention around the day, very much like if you're in a huddle in sports, you're calling the next play. You're getting intentional about what you're going to do. I then raised my hand and sealed it with a high five. And there's a couple things then that I started to notice as I would do this every morning after I brush my teeth. And it's important. I want you to do it after you brush your teeth because I'm presuming you brush your teeth because, you know, you got to <laughs> clean your mouth out, right? Well, you got to clean your mind out too. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to stack those two habits together. You start your day with fresh breath. You got to start your day with a fresh attitude about yourself and a connection to yourself. And if you stack it with something you're already doing, it's way faster based on science to make it something that becomes part of your routine that you don't even think about. So um, as I started to practice this, there were a couple observations that I had. Number one, it is impossible to think something negative about yourself or your day as you're high-fiving yourself. 
You cannot raise your hand and high five your reflection and think, God, I suck, or boy, am I damaged. You can't do it because your brain won't allow it. And I'm going to explain the science right now. So when you go to high five somebody, what is, what is it that you're communicating to somebody through that gesture when you give somebody a high five? You're like, we did it. Epic work. Good play. Like, it's just such uniting of connection. Like, together, yes. we did it. Yes. And it's also, I love you. I see you. Keep going. If you got a teammate that blows a shot or you just missed the, the goal, and now your attitude's tanking and, I, and a teammate high fives you, it's like, shake it off, dude, come on, let's go. Let's get back in there. Like it is all of that in a simple gesture. Yeah. It is connection, energy, I be it's belief, it's yeah. love, it's encouragement, it's celebration. It's all of it in one gesture. And in fact, if somebody's ever given you a high five and you guys kind of miss the hand, what do you do? You go back again. <laughs> Correct. Correct. That's how intentional it is. Yeah. And so you have done that so many times for other people. Here's the crazy cool part. All of that positive programming is stored in your subconscious and it's married to a high five, the physical action. So you could be at your lowest moment. In fact, we've had a woman write to us from a domestic violence shelter saying that, you know, she just escaped this horribly abusive relationship. She has nothing. She has a tremendous amount of work to rebuild her life. But the high five habit is making her realize that no matter what, she still has herself yeah. and she can have her own back. And so when you go to raise your hand to your own reflection, no matter what you're facing in life, no matter where you are, you don't have to say a thing. Because your brain already has programmed the high five to mean, I believe in you. I love you. We got this. And so your brain does the work for you. The other thing that happens is because a high five is a celebratory action. And like other celebratory actions, raising your hands when you finish a finish line or a race, uh, waving to somebody, raising your hands to hug somebody. All of these raised hand gestures and a greeting or a celebration are wired into your nervous system. So when I spoke to Dr. Daniel Amen about the high five habit, he geeked out and was like, oh my gosh, first of all, when you go to raise your hand, it, 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 what's happening, Mel, is you're, you're, you're stimulating your nervous system to give you a jolt of energy. And boy, could we all use that right now? And secondly, when you go to give the high five, your brain gets a drip of dopamine, which is why it boosts your mood. And so the coolest thing about this gesture is unlike a mantra or unlike other habits that I've tried or unlike even interrupting your thoughts manually, five, four, three, two, one, I'm not thinking about that. When you're trying to stop worrying, the high five through the gesture alone does all the work for you. It is an aerobic exercise, which I'd never even heard of before reading your book. And I was like, oh, what a good, like a good summary, an aerobic exercise. I'd never heard of that term either until I started researching the book, because what happened is, you know, this thing starts working for me. And by about the fifth day, I am noticing some pretty mind blowing things happening. I'm noticing my mood is boosted. I'm noticing that I feel a little more energized. I'm noticing that the critic in my mind is silent. I'm noticing that I'm oddly present and focused 
right after I do it. What did you notice as you've been practicing this? So I've been doing it for the last two days and I did it just for the podcast. And I, the 54321 habit turned it into a dance for me. So I do do a little morning dance that boosts my mood. (laughs) (laughs) And then I like do my high five now. And it is, it's miraculous. Like it truly, it kind of made me laugh that I was like, God, how can something so simple be so powerful and I guess kind of again how can something so simple like us being mean to ourselves, like that we all know the disastrous consequences of that so this is that in the positive something so positive can have such a enormous positive impact and that was kind of like brought me on to the other question which is we know celebrating ourselves inherently if you ask anyone is celebrating yourself a good thing they would say yes of course it is but yet we do not but yet we struggle, but yet we stand there and say, my boobs look weird, my eyebrows are out of place, and oh my God, I've just got a new wrinkle. Why and how is this such an intervention really leading on to what you just said? Well, I think that you've been trained to think that way. So a lot of times when you become aware of the default programming, your self-talk, you'll realize, holy shit, that's not me talking, that's my mother or that's my dad or my grandmother or that bully, or that is somebody else's voice that I listen to so often that I adopted it as my own. So that's number one. And number two, I believe that a lot of this happens when you start going to school. Because when you start going to school, you start to see all the places that you belong and all the places that you don't. And as you start to almost become your own sorting hat and figuring out like, you know, we've all got that visual of holding the lunch tray and walking into a cafeteria and which direction am I going to go? What Mm -hmm. table can I sit at? And your monologue oddly is trying to protect you in that moment. Well, you don't have the nice jeans that all those girls are wearing. So I guess I should go over here. And you then literally betray your desire to walk toward a certain group of people by telling yourself you're not enough, you don't belong. You start picking yourself apart so somebody else doesn't reject you. But the truth is you're busy rejecting yourself when you do it. Mm. And that brings me to why you're going to resist this and why it's going to take five days and why you need to give us five days and give yourself five days as you practice the high five habit every morning. And the reason why you resist this is because when you walk into your bathroom and you stand before yourself in front of a mirror, you bring a lifetime of judgment to that moment. And then you pick apart your appearance because you've been doing it since you were little. And you say, that wrinkle, that eyebrow, that boob, that freckle, the color of my skin, the, the texture of my hair, it makes me unlovable. You take everything that you're hiding whether it's your gender or your uh, sexual identity, or it is something else that you're afraid to say out loud because it's not safe to, or because you've been trained by the world or society that it's not okay to just be you, and you stay silent about it. And then you also have a massive judgment about where you're supposed to be right now. 
And so if the number on the scale isn't what you think it should be, or the size of your pants isn't what you want it to be, or if the amount of money in the bank or the car that you drive or the person that you're dating or not dating, or whether you have kids or not by now, if all of that stuff doesn't line up with what you think you should be doing, you have an opinion that you don't deserve a high five because you haven't accomplished those things. So that is why you resist it. You have an opinion that you're not worthy of it based on your past or based on where you are. And what I'm here to say, I want everybody on the planet to understand something. We have life fucking backwards. Mm. We have motivation and love and happiness backwards. The secret to life is being able to stand where you are and still see somebody who is worthy Mm-hmm. of love and support and celebration, simply because you're still breathing, simply because you have dragged yourself out of bed, you are still breathing. And despite all the shit that you've survived and all the stuff that you've done, that you can stand here and forgive yourself and see a human being who's trying and who is worthy and deserving and who needs your support and needs your encouragement. And part of the problem with women in particular is you have also looked outside yourself for that validation and that love and that acceptance you so desperately need. You have told yourself, if only that fucking guy or only that fucking girl would love me again, if only they didn't ghost me, if only I could get that job, if my boss were in a better mood, if my mother would actually tell me she loves me, then I'm worthy of love. Mm. And when you outsource your personal validation, to the number of likes or followers or whether or not some dumbass guy or girl likes you back or what your fucking friends are doing. They didn't invite me to brunch. Like if you put it all out there, you will never be in control of it. If you want to be secure in your relationships, you need to be in secure in your relationship with yourself. If you want to feel worthy of love, you need to treat yourself as if you are worthy of love. If you want to feel validated in life, you need to validate yourself. And that starts every fucking morning when you drag your ass out of bed and you stand in front of that mirror and you put the toothbrush down and you look at yourself and you see yourself and you then think about who you're going to be for you, what game you're going to play today for you. And then you raise your hand as an act of defiance, an act of defiance to all the shit that you have survived, all the stuff that you've done that you need to forgive yourself to, and an act of defiance to all of the people who have ever doubted you. And you seal this shit with a high five. And I'm telling you, you start your day like that, your whole life will change because you change. You change how you see yourself. You change how you treat yourself. You change how you start your day. You change your nervous system. You change your brain. I'm going to tell you a secret. I've been doing this shit for a year. I don't even need to high five myself. You want to know why? I don't even criticize myself anymore. I have programmed brand new neural pathways so that when I see myself in the mirror, and this isn't like some sort of stuck up, selfish, like I'm some sort of conceited bitch kind of thing. This is literally, can you stand in front of the mirror? and actually accept yourself. Can you stop wishing you were someone else? Imagine if you could do that. And I'm here to tell you, you can. 
And all you have to do is start high-fiving your reflection because all of that lifetime programming of cheering for everybody else and throwing their birthday parties and trying hard to make your mom and dad happy and trying hard to be a good employee and trying hard to make somebody fall in love with you, all that shit that you've been doing for other people, it's programmed in you. And when you start to give that same support, that same empowerment, that same validation back to yourself, it's fucking magical. Just before we dive into more of Mel's wisdom, I wanted to tell you about my latest secret behind getting a good night's sleep. I put a few drops of good quality CBD under my tongue and it really helps me get a calm, relaxed, restful sleep. I can thank this season's partners, one of the world's highest quality CBD brands, Platinum from Columbia Care, for helping me out. I have tried numerous CBD brands and this one is incomparable. I thoroughly test all the brands I work with to ensure you guys are only being exposed to products that I really, truly care about and have experienced results with. And Platinum by Columbia Care exceeded, to be honest, all my expectations. Their products are so well tested and researched to ensure you get the best therapeutic benefits from their products. So the best bit... I have a special discount code to give you. It's 20% off. Head to the show notes or directly to their website, which is just www.cole-care.uk and use the discount code NOTPERFECT20 for 20% off. They ship worldwide and offer CBD oil in peppermint and unflavored and easy to take soft gel capsules. All of the range is free from THC, vegan-friendly, 100% organic, and as said, backed by scientific research to ensure you get a premium CBD product every time. If you are struggling with stress, anxiety, sleep, or sore muscles, I definitely recommend giving it a try. I'm really grateful that such an effective brand, Light Platinum by Columbia Care, partnered with me to create the podcast. They are brilliant and the support means so much. Thank you and let's head back to the wonderful Mel. One of the stories in the book talks about how you broke the habit of people pleasing and you tell a really amazing story about how you had to tell your father that oh, you were going to make the pool table. Sorry. And as someone who is the ultimate people pleaser and someone who literally tries to, I try to avoid telling people bad news. I will like, I will white lie just so I can avoid hurting someone's feelings. And it's a terrible, terrible, awful habit. But the high five really helped you break this. Could you touch upon how the high five helped you move out of these guilt contracts, as you call them? So when it comes to people pleasing, people pleasing is not about other people. It's about your insecurity. You have it somewhere in your brain that if another human being is upset or disappointed with you, it means they are going to stop liking you or loving you. And most of us learned this in childhood because when you're a parent, you will do whatever the fuck you can to get your kids to comply. And a lot of it involves guilting them. And what you what happens is every human being learns that in order to win mom's love, in order to make dad happy, I have to do this thing I don't want to do. 
And that's where it begins. Mm -hmm. This compliance in order to be liked, in order to keep the peace, in order to be loved. And so the pool table story is, um, you know, something that, you know, and do you know, even I was even nervous about writing the pool table story because I didn't want my parents to be mad at me <laughs> in reading the pool table story. Um, so here's the deal. My dad collects antique pool tables. And so when my husband and I got married 25 years ago, my parents, one of the gifts that they gave us was he had bought an antique pool table and had it lovingly restored. Uh, for my husband and I. And at the time we lived in New York City, so we had nowhere to put it. And so my parents stored it in their basement and they stored it in their basement for a decade. And then Chris and I um, buy this dilapidated old farmhouse outside of Boston. And you know, I, I keep my dad at Arms Bay because we still had no place for a pool table. I mean, a pool table is beautiful, but you need a big room for a pool table. They, they take up a lot of space. And so as my career starts to take off, I earn enough money to be able to add on a garage with a room over it. And my dad hears this and is immediately like, amazing, you've got space for the pool table. And he literally rents a U-Haul trailer and drives 16 hours through the night to bring me this pool table, which by the way, we had not planned on putting in the room above the garage. So my loving father, I love, 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 love my mom and dad. He shows up with a pool table, put the thing together in the uh, room above the garage where it sat like a felted aircraft carrier in the middle of the room for five years. It, it takes up so much room, a pool table, that even a two-car garage, I'm not kidding you, it's basically most of the room because you need like five feet on either side of it in order to have the cues. So what was supposed to be a playroom became a place with a pool table, but we never played because my kids would play on one side of the table. Their Legos would be all over it. Like it would like, and, but every time I saw it, I thought of my mom and dad. So in a weird way, I kind of loved it. But then my business started taking off and I needed an office. And so I started to realize I got to hire these pool table movers to take the pool table apart. And I have to put it in storage. And my father is going to fucking kill me. And he's going to be so disappointed. And the idea of disappointing somebody that you love, I, like, I don't know about you, but I'd rather drive a stake through my eye yeah. because I'm a people pleaser. And so I literally panicked. I procrastinated. Finally, I called my dad, 54321. And I'm like, dad, about the pool table. You know, my business is going, da 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 da, -da. I need to turn the, the, the room above the garage into an office. Oh, great. You could put some ply table on the pool table. And those could be the desks for everybody. And then when you're done working for the day, you could take the plywood tables off and then you could have pool with your people that work for you. Isn't this gonna be great? And I'm like, oh my God, I think I can walk to my funeral now. My father is literally gonna kill me. Like he literally thinks I'm calling him for advice about how to make the pool table work in this office I'm building. So I have to take a deep breath and I say, dad, I'm sorry, I love the pool table, but I don't have room for it. I need desks and while I love your suggestion, it's not going to work. I'm going to hire the people that you paid to put it together to come back, to lovingly take it apart, to put it in beautiful storage. And when I have room, I, in fact, I will build a room and it will be dedicated to the pool table, but I can't have it in the house right now. Did I hurt my father's feeling? Yes, I did. Did I feel like I wanted to die in that moment? Yes, I did. But the one thing that I didn't do 
is I didn't take it all the way to that makes me a piece of shit. I'm a terrible daughter. And one of the ways in which I was able to stop the guilt and to flip it into what I call a high five attitude, which is an attitude where you put yourself first. It's an attitude where you ground yourself in optimism and faith that yes, this challenging conversation and this challenging moment is going to lead somewhere amazing. And what I said to my dad is, first of all, thank you. Like, so instead of saying, I'm sorry, I disappointed you. I'm sorry, I didn't do this. Thank the person you're disappointing. Thank you for giving me this beautiful gift. I, I love you and I love it. And I wish I had more money and I wish I had a big house to put this in. And I wish that I, that I was in a different place. And thank you for understanding that this is what I have to do. And thank you for not shaming me about it. And thank you for supporting me as I pursue my dreams. And so, you know, when they come and visit, does it sting? Yeah. Do they crack jokes about it and rub it in my face? They sure do. <laughs> do I uh, have to make myself feel horrible about it? No. And what you need to realize in life is that it's possible for human beings to be two things at once. It's possible for somebody to be disappointed in you and to still love you. It's possible for you to do something that hurts somebody or that makes them angry with you and for them to still like you and to still be your friend. And when you realize that being loved and being liked does not require you to bend yourself over backwards or twist yourselves in knots or betray yourself in order to earn being liked or loved. When you realize that the most important person in your life is you. And you need to first be able to wake up every morning and look in the mirror and go, but do I like me? Do I support me? Do I stand up for me? Do I have good intentions? And if the answer is yes, then you can absolutely disappoint anybody. You can do things that bug people and you can understand that it has no impact on whether or not you're a good person. I quickly want to touch upon the heart high five. Oh, yes. So the heart high five is a pattern interrupter to take you out of the sympathetic nervous state into the parasympathetic, into that rest and digest system. And it's in that, for example, I used it today. I'd sent a message and I was like desperately waiting for this reply. And I could feel my expectations. Are they going to reply? Are they not? Like getting, you know, that kind of feeling of anxiety bubbling. And immediately, because I just read Mel's book, I was like, aha, the heart high five. It calls for the heart high five. <laughs> so I was like hand on heart. And I sat there eating my lunch and I thought, oh, gosh. I feel my nervous system calm down and it was just brilliant. Yes, beautiful, beautiful explanation. So the high-fiving your heart is a way to encourage, support, celebrate and love yourself in a moment where you feel your nervous system go on edge. And so whether you wake up every morning like I used to, feeling like something's wrong as a trauma response, or you have a moment just like you so beautifully described that triggers you to go into a state of feeling completely on edge. You're gonna take your hand and put it on your heart. I tend to do both hands and I stick it right in the center of my chest because I got these big mitts for hands. And so it hits my heart. And what happens is when you place your hands there, you are toning what's called the vagus nerve. And I know you talk about this. And the vagus nerve is an on off switch that switches off 
you're on edge, dysregulated, uh, sympathetic nervous system. I don't know why they call your on edge nervous system the sympathetic one, but uh, it switches off your right, you know, your your on edge nervous system. Take a deep breath and then say these three words to yourself. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm loved. And I'm loved. Say it over and over and over again until you feel yourself come back into your body, until you feel your nervous system settle down, until you feel that vagus nerve do its magic, which is switching off the on edge nervous system and turning on your calm, resting, cool nervous system. And I call this being confident in your body. It's literally being comfortable in your own skin. And this is a practice that I do uh, almost every morning after I get out of bed to calm my nervous system. I do it as I'm kind of walking to the bathroom. If it's very kind of on edge morning, I might stop and close my eyes and say, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. And here's the truth. If you can say those things, it is true in this moment. And it grounds you in this moment. And based on research, which again, the book, we just go into so much research. The other reason why you want to do this is because um, Dr. Judy Willis, who's the world, one of the world's leading uh, neuroscientists, has basically proven through her research that if your nervous system is on edge, your prefrontal cortex can't focus. Literally, if the alarm bells go off and the house catches on fire, your nervous system goes on edge and sounds the alarm. Could you sit down and do a math problem in that moment? Of course not, because your nervous system is what's in control. And so starting your day by being grounded in your body with a calm nervous system is going to improve your focus. It is going to make you more present. It is going to make you less reactive. It is going to help you to soothe your trauma. And it's something you should do every morning. I love that. And lastly, I just want to repeat a quote that really resonated. And I think it is one that's going to really resonate with the audience too. And you write, the purpose of any dream is to provide the fuel that drives you and the map that shows you the direction to head. It may or may not lead to the destination you think it will. Now, the reason I think it's really stood out is because I think I think there's a lot of pressure where everyone's like, oh, I need to live my dream, I need to live my purpose. And they kind of have these huge goals and you've got all this kind of chat about manifestation. And then they think they've failed, even though they've accomplished so much. And I just think this quote was everything. And you have this whole passage in the book that really dedicates itself to this. But I would love for you to comment on when life, I guess, doesn't turn out how you think it's going to. Well, one of the things that I love about the book is once we teach you the high five habit and we go into the science and we teach you about how your brain and your heart and your soul and your nervous system are hardwired by design to help you get what you want. And when your nervous system is dysregulated and when your head is full of self-doubt and self-bashing, you cannot hear clearly the most powerful sound in the world. And that's your own voice and your own intuition and your heart and your soul pulling you forward. And it's things like guilt and insecurity and people pleasing and jealousy and fear and anxiety and procrastination. All of these things are clouding your ability to hear yourself. And so dreams are critical because dreams are hardwired to your soul. What you dream about, Poppy, is very different than what I dream about. And your life is trying to get you to wake up and pay attention to the things that you're drawn toward, either drawn toward through a negative. And one of the big chapters in the book is about jealousy and how to flip that into a high five attitude and use it to inspire you. 
And it also is about you being able to quiet all that so you can hear what you truly desire. And for women in particular, give yourself permission to want it. Give yourself permission to walk toward it. And when you can start walking toward the things that are meant for you without the attachment that it happens, what always happens is you bump into what you're meant to bump into. You see, your dreams get you moving, but life has a much bigger thing in store for you. Mm. But you got to first quiet that shit in your head. You got to calm down your nervous system. You got to tune into what your life is trying to teach you and the direction it's trying to turn you toward. And then you must give yourself permission, five, four, three, two, one, to start marching toward it every day, little by little, step by step. Remember, your life is a marathon. Every single day, you're going to need that encouragement, that high five in the mirror in order to feel empowered and worthy of walking toward the thing that you want. You use the five second rule to push yourself in that moment when you'd hold yourself back. But these are how these things work together. But as you're going toward the thing, something even more amazing, something that you couldn't even possibly imagine is going to happen. And just like I said in the very beginning of this conversation, you know how the dots of your life have led you to this moment. I'm here to tell you that your dreams are trying to get you to move forward because the, this dot right now, no matter what, it is a dot on the map of your life that is leading you somewhere amazing that you can't even imagine. All you need to do is wake up every morning, drag yourself in front of that mirror and raise your hand as a sign that you believe in your ability to do the work you believe that you deserve to have those things that you desire in your life. And you believe that you are capable of making it happen. And then seal that intention with a high five and get your ass out there and go get it. <laughs> oh. Mel, I can't express my gratitude more. Thank you so much for your time. And most importantly, thank you so much for this absolutely, truly gift of a book. And I will be putting all the links in the show notes to have yourself a copy. Uh, the other thing is I want to say I'm so excited, Poppy, that you are partnering with us on the High Five Challenge. And so Poppy and I have made it super easy for you to practice the high, not only practice the High Five Challenge five days in a row, but we're giving you access for free to the world's leading personal development app. It's called Growth Day. And while you're doing the five-day challenge, you not only get me coaching you for five days, you not only get the tools to implement everything that Poppy and I have just talked about, but you're going to get a community of 100,000 people around the world who are doing this thing with you. And so all you got to do is go into the link in the show notes and you're in. Give us your first name. Give us an email. You are in. Because even though you got everything within you to change your life, even though the five second rule, the high five habit, it will work for you. You just have to keep trying it and repeating it. Research shows it is so much more fun when you're changing with like-minded people. See you on the app. And just to repeat, everything's going to be in the show notes, along with links to Mel's social channels, which is just at Mel Robbins um, on Instagram. And of course, the book is at every bookstore, but we'll be putting that all in the show notes. Mel, thank you again. This has been epic. And I can't wait to see everybody on the app doing this with us. You're amazing. Thank you so much. 
thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.